Hi guys, welcome to the Idle Life Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Johnson. Uh, today we sat down with Joe Bronclay. Uh, Joe is a guide on Kukanuska, Ponderé, and Fort Peck. He fishes uh, some BC waters. Me and him kind of dive into some rainbow fishing on Ponderé Lake. We talk about Kukanuska. We talk just a little bit about water temps, uh, presentations, uh, just some of the stuff Joe Joe uses to add to his success on the water. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. It was a lot of fun recording it. I had a great time talking with Joe. Um, so without so with that, uh, let's get into it. Joe Bron Clay. Hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. All right, guys. Welcome to the next installment of Idol Life. This is our second episode, and tonight I have with me a good friend, Joe Bronclay. Is that right, Joe? Did I pronounce your last name right? <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. You nailed right. it. I've always wondered. I never asked you how do you pronounce your last name, but I was like, it's got to be. Is that French? It's Basque. Basque. Yeah, so kind of the Pyrenees between France and Spain, but yeah. Okay. Well, um... The reason we've got Joe on here tonight, guys, Joe is a phenomenal fisherman, and he travels all over the U.S., well, at least the western U.S. that I know of, I mean, it, um, but he's does really good on Lake Ponderay, he fishes Fort Peck, you do some fishing in B.C., um, anyways, he's a wealth of knowledge, I'm really excited to get into this with you, Joe, so with that, why don't you just kind of take it in it's like tell everybody who you are and let's get to know joe for a sec and then we'll jump into some fishing stuff oh sure yeah no appreciate the appreciate the the invite uh i was kind of cut off guard and i was like oh man this is really cool so i appreciate you to having me and the the kind introduction um yeah you know i think i've been here in montana for about 11 years now 10 11 years um kind of grew up in the southwest i'm really from all over um you know dad's peruvian from south america doesn't speak a, a word of english <laughs> mom's a you know freckle-faced redhead from michigan and i kind of was born in texas but i was raised in peru i was raised uh in africa and egypt actually no kidding um, yeah moved uh moved back to the states kind of fit Went to New Mexico, finished uh, my high school years in New Mexico, where I kind of fell in love with a lot of bass fishing, a lot of fly fishing um, for trout, a lot of river fishing for catfish, um, that type of stuff growing up, you know, and kind of your your typical, uh, I don't know, just sports junkie as a kid and did good in school and traveled a lot. Um, I always joke that I joined the Navy to settle down. Cause I was <laughs> jugging around all over the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know. tell everybody what you did in the Navy, because I mean, I don't, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not for everybody. I think you got to have a couple of screws loose. Um, but no, I was, uh, I was a nuke submariner on nuclear powered submarines. Um, did about 10 and a half years. Um, you know, got to be all over and, cooped up underwater for months at a time, uh, you know, doing the spy stuff and 
and uh, supporting uh, the war efforts in the Middle East. Um, you know, did, did my time, did my service, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't change anything, enjoyed every minute of it. And, you know, you finally reach that point where you got to make a decision on what to do. And I felt I'd sacrificed enough um, t- time to go live my life. Um, yeah. And, and it's funny, you kind of swing real – real hard one direction after that, you know, you're like, all right, that's it. Fishing every day till I'm dead. <laughs> make up, for, <laughs> make up for lost time, you know, cause you really truly feel that a lot of your life was, was, was given and sacrificed for something else. Yeah. Hardly ever being home. Um, so, man, so yeah, well, I'm kind of make. I feel like I'm making up for lost time and I feel like I'm just kind of chasing, chasing my dreams and, and, and my vision and, and, uh, you know, ended up here in Montana and a whole new world, whole new type of fishing, all new species of fish, new type of fishermen, um, different culture. And it's just been amazing, you know, just the transition of coming up here, learning new water, you know, learning all new fish, new fisheries, uh, the dynamics and, and the history of the Northwest. And you just immediately start falling in love in the history that's up here and the importance of the fish up here and, and how it actually, you know, shaped or influenced so much of the culture, you know, well before we ever got here up here and and you just kind of want to dive into it and and be a part of it and and wish you could kind of restore it but you know you'll never you you all you just wish you had a taste of it you know way back when you know when the when the salmon were seven to ninety pounds running up the columbia you know and you just kind of man that makes you wish you could live that but you just do the best you can to try to you know be a part of what we have now and and definitely preserve it um and and i think there's uh I think after moving up here, you feel more of a sense of obligation to conserve what we do have um, that I probably never had as a fisherman before. You know, you, you, I think there's a maturation process of a fisherman where you just go from a, a bonk and fillet type of guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, to, to you really start being really picky and start really deciding whether that fish really needs to be removed from the system or not. And uh, I, I just think it's just a, a maturation process of how you feel about the fishery. And anyways, it's just a little, a little background on how I ended up here, but yeah, I hope that well, kind of covers it. First off, Thank you for your service. I, for one, and all of us here that are producing this podcast now, like we really do appreciate your service. And I, I could not imagine being stuck underwater in a submarine for like, I mean, how long would you go underwater for? How many days? I think 88 days is my longest without seeing the sun or coming up. Oh my gosh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's funny, and it definitely changes your outlook on life and your 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 reference and perception of what's uh, what's difficult and what isn't. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. It, it makes God. it hard to you know people laugh, but it makes it hard to kind of rejoin society when you see what people complain about, and you're just kind of like, huh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it makes your it makes every day's 
like your your little bitches every day you know yeah yeah it just feels like minuscule uh, feels like every day's a vacation when you're not on the submarine so it's like uh, yeah i guess i just can't relate to a lot of people <laughs> yeah at least at least we can drive around or walk around and get out and get away from i mean you're stuck for 88 days with all those guys and oh yeah uh, that's wow i mean yeah yeah i mean just yeah, it's just it's a different world, you know, and it takes a certain breed, I think, uh, to do something like that. But I think it also prepares you and makes you a little tougher mentally. And yeah, I mean, it's not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, man, I, I, I seriously do. I sincerely appreciate your service. And yeah, that's I mean, there I couldn't do it. Yeah, There's well, no pre- appreciate uh, your support and. And I think what most people tell you is, uh, you know, we, we do it so that other people don't have to. So, yeah, but I, oh, man, it's a big sacrifice. Should be well respected by most people, I, I'd assume, you know, so, but. Well, um, appreciate that. Appreciate your support. Thank you. Yeah. Let's get into some fish and stuff. Yeah. So, um, like. What's your favorite lake? Like, let's get, let's start. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, okay, so you, you grew up catfishing and now you're slaying rainbows on Ponderay or you're slaying salmon on Fort Peck. I mean, that's a big jump to go from catching a cat. I mean, you could put a hot dog in the fridge and put it on. Yeah. Pound cord and, you know. Yeah. That's such a loaded question. And, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to tell uh, a really. You're welcome. Here's, here's a really uh, just a quick funny jab at myself. When I was looking at the map and I come up here, this is this is my ignorance from the southwest. I see on the map Flathead Lake. And I'm like, wow, they named an entire lake after catfish. It must be amazing. <laughs> I had no idea that there was a Native American tribe. No clue. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong when I got here. I had oh. no clue. So, yeah, <laughs> got up here and realized, oh, I guess I got to change out all my fishing gear. But, you know, I befriended uh, a, an awesome friend of mine, a tournament fishing partner of mine, um, Derek. And, you know, he kind of got me into this and introduced me into this style of fishing, this pursuit of salmonids. Um and it, it just just kind of opened a whole new world for me. And I'm, I'm just one of those people where I just kind of I can't I can't half ass anything. So right. when I fall in love with something and I find something I'm passionate about, it's going to get everything from me. And, you know, it, it can sacrifice a lot of things, you know, could be mm-hmm. could be friendships, could be relationships. But, you know, I, I'm all in. That's that's the person I am. And you're either, you know, along for the ride and you're part of that or, you know, we'll just kind of drift, drift away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I went all in on this. Um, I don't know as far as what my favorite lake would be. I don't I can't say I have one, honestly. Um, Fort Peck in July and August is just one of those magical places. 
and and then I would compare it to being on Ponderé in the spring and especially the fall. I mean, that's what we all live for, right? Is to be yeah on Ponderé when that water tank starts dropping, those coconut are done spawning, and it's time to feed, right? It's time for those Gerards to start putting on weight. We all just want a part of it, man. Um, like uh, the today, I had a friend call me. And he's, uh, it's him and his wife's anniversary this week. And they're going out there. They rented a float home on the lake. And he said, yeah, I can park my boat right at the float home. And we're going to fish the whole weekend. And he just stopped by, dropped his boat trailer off here at the house. And I gave him a box full of apexes. And I was like, you should run this one, this one, this one. And man, I just, just talking to him about it. Like, right pulling those apexes out and touching them and like i mean i i some of those apexes i gave them they're just trashed i mean yeah. they're just thrashed you know you're good ones i'm like get your wife a good fish man and i handed him the box and i'm just like oh i'm just chomping at the bit it's like yeah <laughs> smell it in the air when it's time yeah you know? i know right yep and i saw you know hearing some reports of some screamers being lost and you're just like oh man it's time it's time yeah you just like i gotta get there i gotta get there yep <laughs> like, yep for I sure out to get on the lake yeah hopefully be out there soon but you know and then obviously you know i really enjoy uh lake kukanusa um over here in my neck of the woods it's, it's just kind of you know semi-remote um i truly feel like i'm in montana when i'm there you know, you're very isolated. Yeah. You're very remote. There's zero traffic. You're out there alone with, you know, bears and, and you know, you'll see the deer and the elk and the turkey and you'll have golden eagles trying to get in your boat after your fish and it's just bald <laughs> eagles. And it's just, you just, it's just one of those places where you may not you know, necessarily find a fish for the wall, but as far as just numbers and scenery and the experience, if you want the Montana experience, in my opinion, that's probably going to be one of your places to go. Um, There's just something about that place. It's just so unique. It's so different. Um, I I really enjoy being out there. I'm just very at peace. Um, Very little uh, pressure I put on myself when I'm out there as compared to other places, you know, where, where, you know, when you're on Pondre, you know, you got to kind of, you got a window to get it done, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I would say those are definitely my three, my three favorite, uh, lakes here in, in the Northwest, uh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. No, that uh, I, I've driven by Kukanuska. And you'll probably laugh, but I've never fished Kukanuska in my life. You know, I'm I'm surprised by how many people who live here in Kalispell have never fished it. I'm, I'm shocked how I get a lot of clients that are just from here in Kalispell. They're like, oh, yeah, I've never fished it. I'm like, what? I'm like, okay. It's a big reservoir. Well, let's go, I guess. It's a, I mean, Kukanuska is a huge reservoir, right? Yeah, it's very long as it stretches into Canada. Yeah, it's it is huge. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of how, water. There. How long is that reservoir? Do you got to be, I think, in the 90 mile range, I believe. Last I looked, um, you know, I try to keep it between you know Rexford and and usually Rocky Gorge, but as 
spring rolls into summer, you end up going farther south to chase the cold water and stay in the stay in the bait and stay in the the active rainbows. So, you know, you'll end up down by the dam. You know, come okay. May time, June time. Okay, that's like. Do you see kind of a migration? Like, I mean, I know oh, in Pond sure. Lake, you know, we have in the fall the hot spots usually on the north end of the lake and then in the spring it can kind of it just depends on the time of year and everything but um where i mean the north end always produces but i mean do you see in that area because uh kukanooska is pretty narrow isn't it yeah it is uh you definitely couldn't get away with uh you know how we drive on ponder a <laughs> 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 you, you're gonna have problems <laughs> yeah so you're, you're not gonna get too wide uh, some of those areas but yeah no you're definitely chasing a a i would say it's a more blatant and obvious temperature um change as you go from north to south and you're chasing that cooler water um obviously in the winter everything's fair game and you can you know, you can get fish anywhere, but you know, once, you know, once fall comes and spring comes, you almost kind of run the length of the reservoir and you're just following that temperature band every day. And, and uh, yeah, you'll be, you'll be surprised how predictable it can actually be, you know, just by finding the right temperature water and, you know, seeing where your coconut you're holding and which is your predominant, um, you know, bait in both of those lakes for the most part, there's a, there's other stuff in there, but yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It's a, there's definitely a very bit. obvious temperature band for sure on Kukanusa. Yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about that, like uh, some water temp and and following bait, and I mm. mean just how how guys can relate to to you know he, he say there's a guy that likes to kokanee fish a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and then he says, well, I'm struggling with catching you know these larger this larger class salmonoid. Uh, how can that guy, you know, use what he knows already to maybe start catching some of those larger trout or char, you know, whatever you're targeting. Right. Um, you know, as as that water temp changes, you, there's two things you're looking at. It's not just surface temp, you know, Mm. that, that magic 52 degree water, but it's also the thermocline as it rises slowly. Um, and I try to keep an eye on how high up that thermal client is coming and, you know, how far below the surface is it. And what I'm getting at is if your thermal client's it, I don't know, call it 30, 40 feet, and you got 52 to 55 degree water anywhere from 20, 30, 40 feet, and your surface tent might be 60, well... Ooh. Those big fish can see the surface from where they're hanging out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, and it's a very quick trip for them to get up there, grab what they want, and get back down into the temperature water they want to be in. Right. So, so I like to get out there kind of early and never be surprised if you start getting big fish when the surface temperature is 55 to 60 degrees because it's not a far trip. It's not a long journey. Um, and if that's where your kokanee are, well, then it's even that much easier to imitate, you know, the bait. Um, the big thing is you got to imitate the right size. Um, I mean, color, color, obviously, but I think people overlook the size and, and, you know, they'll say, go, a go just a, a hair smaller 
than the size of, of what you're seeing for bait out there. And that's kind of the general rule of thumb. Obviously, there's exceptions to, to all the rules, but if you just run the numbers and the statistics, you'll be a lot more successful if you just match it or just go a, sh- uh, a hair smaller. Um, and and I and I'm I'm always always more surprised by how many fish I catch on the surface when you don't think you should be. And I attribute that to those fish are actually not having to go very far to get that bait. So, you know, you watch your thermocline, where's your temperature. And that's what, you know, your fish hawk comes in handy. If you have one, that way, you know, exactly where, where your water is that the, you know, the target fish are going to be hanging out at. And I like to put it above them, even if that means in the surface, I mean, they're going to come up, they're going to see the shadow. They're going to feel the vibrations. They're going to see what you're pulling. They'll come up, get the bait and go right back down that that's a good point like that's something that i think a lot of people overlook mm-hmm. definitely you know it's just paying attention to yeah your surface temp might be 65 degrees mm-hmm. but that thermocline that's a barrier and but between below that barrier and above that barrier there's a completely different temperature and yeah. that's like the isolation of that zone you know it's cool I'm sure you know about, like, you've done this, but when, when I'm fishing Ponderay Lake, I can find the current lines based on when that thermocline's rising up really steep and kind of dissipating, and right. then it goes back to a solid line, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, those current lines, <laughs> yep. they can be deadly. Um, For sure. Yep, and, and, and that's exactly right. I'll crank up the uh, sensitivity on my electronics to try to pick up, you know, where that is you know if i'm not necessarily running my fish off the whole time you're absolutely right you want to see where that is and i like to you know zig zig in and out of it and and i really pay attention to my speed and then the combination of my graph with the sensitivity up and what the speed of my boat is doing tells me where it's strongest and where it's weakest yeah no like uh I, I've noticed that a lot when I'm out there fishing. If you turn your sensitivity up, you could really see that line. And then mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy. You know, Have you seen it in the spring where you'll get a storm and the lake will turn? And you'll it, it won't turn all over the lake, but in certain spots, you got gusts and everything going, like big, heavy gusts. You'll see that thermocline mixing. And if you go out, I've been outside my boat when I've noticed that happening Mm -hmm. and I've had water boiling. It's almost like you're in a river. Yep. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's some moments where it's definitely more prevalent than others, but yeah, you're absolutely right. You'll, (laughs) and when you, when you hit it with the boat, you're like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> yeah, like, you're and looking around your boat. Going, goes out of whack. What just happened? Like, what just what? Like, oh yep. my gosh. Yep. It's very cool to see. Uh, and I, yeah, no, I just. That's cool. It's very cool to talk to somebody that really pays attention to that stuff. You know, like it's it's cool. It's. <laughs> No, it is. And I think that's the, that's the nerding out part of fishing that I, I truly enjoy, you know? Yeah. That's like, we were talking earlier. So everybody, when I first asked Joe, if he wanted to do this podcast with, with me the other day, um, he asked, he's like, well, what are we going to talk about? 
as like naked midgets. And he's at all in. <laughs> just, just my game. Just nerd out. Yeah. Just gonna nerd out. That's funny. That was a cool tidbit. I just thought I just wanted to tell everybody Joe's all in. It doesn't matter what I'm all in. What we're talking about. That's funny. But yeah, no, back to uh back to Kukanuska. Um you're talking about the temperature and watching that thermocline on the graph and everything and um finding that separation or you know, seeing where it's coming up close to the surface. Um, what, so in the spring or in the fall, I mean, where do you see most of that happening or is it something that's just happening through the whole lake at that, you know, at both those times of the year? I mean, do you see a difference between fall and spring or like where Kokanee are going to be in relation to the thermocline or, um, in a way it's more where you find the size of the Kokanee. Um, okay. The, the size kind of changes where they are on the lake um, from spring to fall. But really, your temperature change, since it's more of an obvious river than, say, like Ponderé. Right. Your temperature swing's always going to happen from north to south as the, as the you know, river comes out of Canada, as the Kootenai comes out of Canada um, and heads towards Libby. So your temperature change is always going to be north to south. Um, either colder to warmer or warmer to colder, depending on time of year. So okay. you, know, you, you got your magic temperature band that you're that you're always chasing. Um, and yeah, I mean that's kind of what you're concentrating on. I think fall. I enjoy the north end more. Okay. Um, because there, there's a lot going on. <laughs> you have bull trout that are going to head up to spawn right mm-hmm. and do their thing but mature bull trout don't spawn every year so they're going to hang out kind of in that area up on the north end a lot and and that's also the first place where the returning bull trout the ones that head up into canada will be coming back into the reservoir. Okay. So so that's kind of what I like about being on the north end is you're going to get those bull trout post-spawn, you know, when they come back and you'll start getting them, you know, February, March time frame. Um, as long as it's not frozen, you can get a boat in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, that is that is a great time to be out there. You're going to just, you know, they they got beaks and gnarly jaws on them and teeth and, but they're all super long and skinny, you know, cause they just went up and did their thing and now they're coming back and they're super aggressive. And, and then at the same time, you're also can get rainbows that are gorging for their spring spawn. So I, I really enjoy that North end. You got a lot going on, but then you almost get like to- a mixing going on, but you know, with, with the mm-hmm. species. Right. Yeah. And understanding what those fish are doing at what times of year, you kind of know where to concentrate to be overall successful, not necessarily targeting one species, but just being overall great day of the water. Where's my best chances. Now, as it warms up into spring, you're going to start chasing stuff down South, right? Your big fish are heading um, to go spawn. Uh, A lot of other fish are just kind of following. That's what they do. 
Um, and then there's Coke, and he's just everywhere. Kind of like on, on Ponderé, where it's just like, <laughs> there's so much bait, you're like, I don't really know where to concentrate. There's bait everywhere. <laughs> Dude, man, some and, days are like that. It's just like nonstop all day. The screen's just full of bait. And it's like, yep. and then you go out there some days, and it's like, I'll be damned if you can mark a, a, a stool of bait. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's wild. Yeah, it, it is very interesting. And, and you know, so a little. A little uh, trick that a friend taught me is um, I actually run structure scan on a, you know, I got my, you know, I'll run like an Aramark transducer and then I'll run a structure scan separately and I'll overlay it. And the reason for that is there's times where the coconut is so high that they're shooting off the side of your boat and you won't necessarily see them, you know on your typical sonar or any kind of down imaging because they're straight out the side. They're I mean, right they're in the top with, yeah. five to they're on the top five to 10 feet of water and they're shooting off to the sides. And you might be just staring at your sonar going, Oh, well, there's no bait here. When, when really the action is so high on the surface, you're not seeing it unless you had your structure scan on. That's so I've kind of really learned cool. to use that as like an extra, just, just an extra aid and seeing is there truly bait fish in this area. And are they just right on the surface? So are you using like a side scan, structure scan? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, thanks for, yeah, thank you for elaborating. But yeah, exactly. I'm shooting off no, to the side. And, and yeah, you'll you'll be cool. surprised, man. I mean, you're just like, oh, that's why I can't see them. The bait's at five feet and it's, <laughs> you know, 80 feet off to the starboard side of my boat. There is bait here. It's just so high up. I got to I gotta figure something else out. You know, you, you might be running your lures below them. You know, which isn't a bad thing, but, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, whatever tools you can to, to help you out. That's cool. I, I really, that's, so I've run structure scan on my boat mm-hmm. and you know, like it's, I almost like structure scan better than, uh, than like a chirp or something, just because it's like, yeah. when you have it on structure scan, you can almost count every individual fish. Yeah, and you know what side of the boat they're on. Yeah, and um, the only I I don't have my boat personally. My boat's not equipped with side structure scan, so mm-hmm. I just get this down scan. But you know, that's something I've always thought of. Like when I'm not marking them on my screen, and I say all the way to the north end, or you know, damn near all the way to the north end, and I haven't right. marked solid bait. It's like they've got to be up on the surface and I just, but I've never had anything that I could really look at. That is really cool. That's a very cool tip that you just gave right there. It is. And and you know what, if I'm seeing a bait ball and I can see two or three active fish in that bait ball or below that bait ball, I will, if I'm running say a spoon or a fly, I'll turn towards the bait ball to kill the lures on that side let that spoon flutter let that fly pause you know if i'm running crankbaits or plugs i'll turn away from it and bring the speed up on say the crankbait or the plug i try to change the action based on you know towards the side of the boat that i'm seeing because sometimes it's just you know a steady presentation isn't the presentation they just want to see a change yeah, I can and, uh, relate to that, but just and, having yeah. that tactic in your bags that 
Yep. This is what you're saying. Being able to turn your boat starboard or port yeah. side and let that bait sink down into that, you know, below that fish, maybe even. I, yeah. Just him. It's like, it's almost like you're using a spitting rod and finesse yep. reaching that fish, but you're doing yep. it with your board. Yep. Like, that is cool. Yeah, because your your electronics are your eyes, and your control is how you can maneuver. You know your lure, and I can't I can't tell you how many times I've just done a sharp turn right at my spoon to let it sink, and how many times it's gotten smoked. I mean, it just it happens so often. <laughs> that is super cool, man. I like now you're gonna I'm gonna have to go out and get side scan now <laughs> just to try this because it's just I mean totally sparked something in me i was like wow that is so cool i yeah it's like when you're fishing so say you're fishing with uh like you're doing this tactic you're talking about Mm -hmm. like are you are you like are you running spoons and flies together or like because personally when i'm out this is just kind of how i've been rolling when i go out fishing for rainbows like i either run one or the other i I have mm-hmm. a hard time mixing them. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I try to run spoons that I can adapt to run at fly speeds, right? So there's probably a certain speed, a certain desi- there's a certain way you want your fly to travel, right, through the water. Right. And I'll just try to run spoons that I can bend and adjust to be productive at the same speeds. Um, cool. And that's, that's pretty much the approach, right? Cause I'm like you, I'm not going to run two different lures that are meant to go at two different speeds and, you know, drop the overall productivity of the boat, right? You're fishing for the boat. You're trying to maximize the chance of, of getting fish in the boat. And so I try to run like for like, um, that's one thing I really like about like what the old wooden lineman plugs. Mm-hmm. So versatile, man, you can run them one, eight to seven yeah <laughs> but you know, kidding, and that's... i've had some up at like i mean the the fastest i troll for rainbows is usually up around three two three four sure that's that's my top end speed i've never i mean i'm sure you i mark i fish with mark you know mark but mm-hmm. um like he's caught him at five miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've heard stories of guys just hauling the mail, and I, you know, I think I think when it comes down to it, man, if you can fool a fish and it's hungry and it's on the feed and it wants it, I mean, that's all there is to it. There's nothing yeah. gonna stop it. Exactly. I have plenty of underwater footage of of Gerards and Kings following a lure, turning around and then turning right back around and getting right back on the lure, all while you're going three miles an hour. It is yeah. absolutely nothing for those fish to make those maneuvers and and for them to travel from the depths they do to come check out a lure. I'm sure it's, I'm sure the speeds they achieve are just so much greater than we probably give them credit for. I believe it because well, I've a uh, this is kind of a cool little tidbit that i've and i'm sure like you run gopros and cameras underwater so i'm sure you've seen this but we took a gopro and we stuck it on a downrigger ball and we dropped it down to like 65 feet out there on the lake and pointed it straight up at the boat and you could see the boat really well at 60 feet and you mm-hmm. could make out the outline at 65 so okay. i mean 
if we could see that with our eyes through the camera and a fish is supposed to see even better than us, I mean, I'm sure they could see our flies at a hundred feet, you know, I, yeah, I, I had, yeah, it, I just had this talk the other day with some, some guys there and, and yeah, I mean, I, I always said it, it's at least 70. Um, and, and yeah, I think we were kind of all in, in agreement that 90 is, is probably not that far fetched at all. Um, and it's just, it's amazing to think about that. And that's, again, that's kind of why I say where if that thermocline is close enough to the surface, I'm putting lures on the surface. I don't really care what, you know, oh my God, the water temp 60 or 65. Like, dude, I don't care. If that thermocline is 30 to 50 feet, that fish will come up and take it and then head back down. That's and what I, I completely that's what agree. Gonna do. That's what it's going to do. It's a fish. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think uh, my wife's biggest rainbow was uh, she caught it, and the water the surface temp was like sixty eight, sixty six. Yep. You know, and yep. it hit a fly on the surface. But I was watching that thermocline, just like you're saying, and that thermocline was only like twenty feet deep. That's so it. <laughs> that's know, nothing, man. That's nothing. That's probably just one tail flick. I would imagine. Yeah, you got me? Yeah, sorry, dude. I got a I thought I turned my calls off. Sorry guys. I got a little <laughs> interruption there. Um anyways, yeah, but back to that. It was like it was like twenty feet, I think was the thermocline. The water temp on the surface was like sixty six, sixty seven. I mean it was warm. Yeah. But... And that and that's what I'm saying uh, for Gerard. That's probably one tail flip. Yeah, they're so powerful. Like you, yeah, just one you flick of the tail, well. done. I'm there. They yep. scream. <laughs> yeah. There's, yep. I, I don't know. Like, quartering king salmon and ponderate rainbows, man. Like, when you get an aggressive hit, like a, a 20 pound fish hits your line. Yeah. It's a whole nother ball game. Like, yeah. That dude, it's like, going full draw on a big mountain whitetail or a yeah. big bull elk you know with your bow it's just like oh it's happening <laughs> yeah and that that's pretty much how the addiction started oh I'll, I'll never forget you know i'm trolling along the monarchs and i got i don't even remember which fly it was i think it was just a custom one of my custom flies and you know you just hear that rod go off and you just see this thing and it is an absolute freight train with fins and it, it was one of those, I, I don't know how to really explain it, but for me in my own mind, I felt I'd already lost the battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And all I did was pick up the rod. Like, I just, I grabbed the rod and in my own mind, I was like, there's no way that we're going to land this thing. Because, <laughs> I mean, it was gone. I mean, it checked out. Oh man. And it was 700 plus and it just kept on going. And yeah, I don't, don't know what to say, but it was just one of those moments where you're like, all right, I got to learn how to do this <laughs> because yeah, this is going to happen a lot. And I'm going to be one frustrated human being if this is yeah, how it's going to be every I, yeah, single time. It's like, 
it's that feeling when you have your rod in your hand and you're like geared up. You spend the money, you get yeah. the reels, you get the rods, you get the line, you get set up, your boat's dialed in, you get out there, you hook that big fish, and you feel like you have absolutely no control over the situation yeah. whatsoever. It's just yeah. like they just take off and they're just like, oh, he's the boss. He's going to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting here with the pole in my hand. Yeah, you're just <laughs> sitting there going, huh. Yell, yelling at your buddy to clear lines and turn the boat towards the fish, you know, try to yeah. <laughs> try to keep it on the beam. And and yeah, I mean, it's just, there's so much going on when you're doing that style of fishing and you finally hook up a big one. There's, you know, there's, there's a lot going on. There's tactics, there's strategy involved for sure. <laughs> yeah. And that's some, like when people talk about trolling and talk about, well, troll, you know, I can't, I can't do the trolling thing. I can't sit out there and destroy. It's like, a lot of the times when I'm out trolling, there's very few times where I'm just sitting there. Yeah. Like there's a lot to, there's a lot going on and there's a lot mm-hmm. to take in. And there's some fine details that if you miss, like that could be a matter of catching fish or not catching fish, you know? Yeah, for but, sure. Um, oh, man, like, so I kind of want to throw something. I, I want to throw a curveball to you. <laughs> All right. This is going to be my question for you. Okay. Q&A. So, it's fall. I'll give you a fall. It's 70 degrees out. Not a breath of wind. Blue skies. Water's flat. Not a ripple on the water. Just glass. Mm -hmm. What are you doing to catch a fish on that day? What's What's my water temps? So we'll just give it optimum 52 degrees. It's fall. It's, uh, well, let's say, uh, Mary's Derby captain's table. Ooh, buddy. There you go. Oh man. I've had some heartbreaks during that one. <laughs> Actually, that you know, the, of us. <laughs> the, the picture you posted was a Mary's Derby fish. Well, there you go, folks. Yeah. And I had to, I decided to let that one go. I was fishing with Mike Jalsma and it was really wavy out. We went through two scales to figure out at best, but it was a two pound swing, whether, whether you got the weight at the, at the bottom of the wave or the top of the wave, it was like a two pound swing. And we, if you hit dead center, it was, it was either a second place fish or third place fish, you know? Oh man. And I was like, man, you know, $6,000, $4,000, $0. What is it? You know, and you just don't know. And, uh, you know, I made the decision to just let that fish go. Cause it just wasn't worth it. You know, there's no, you know, it's not about that. It was about the experience and, and, and the fight and the enjoy and sharing it with, uh, with someone you just love to fish with. And, and yeah, I, was, I thought it was pretty cool and fitting that you you picked that picture. I was like, oh man, that's awesome. I just I, they have that picture, just like you could see it in your face. It says a thousand words, and like for another yeah. fisherman, for, from one fisherman to another fisherman, I guess is what I'll say. It's like you can tell, like all your pictures are genuine, but like that one was exciting. Like that, there was something cool going on with that fish. That was probably one of the more meaningful gerards i've caught that was the monkey off my back kind of gerard the one where you finally land a good one instead of just always having stories of the big bites to come off and being frustrated and getting your butt kicked and 
and uh, that there was a lot of stress relief with that fish, and it was just it probably was that kind of that first one that got the ball rolling, you know, mm-hmm. like that that over the hump of God, how the hell do you do this? <laughs> yeah, um, and. And that was probably that one that just kind of gets you over the hump. And, and now you got a little bit of confidence. And now you believe in yourself. You believe in your equipment. You believe in your strategy. You believe in, in your knowledge and what you're trying to do out there. And I, and I think that's what that fish represents. And I just, when you picked it just randomly, I was like, wow. I was like, he probably has no idea what that fish meant to me. <laughs> well, that's cool. I'm glad I picked that one. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. I was going through, I literally, I mean, you have so many fish pictures. It's, it's awesome. I love yeah. that. Like that one just was like, I got to get that one. That one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if I'm out there, blue, clear, 70, 52 degree water temp on the surface, I'm assuming I'm on Ponder A. Yeah. Or we can do Kukanuska. You know, if I'm on Ponder A, I'm kind of mixing it up. Um, Cause that's your classic case of you got to do a lot of stuff. A lot of people put the flies away um and break out the wood and the plastic right mm-hmm. in, in those conditions not necessarily me not always i i always try to keep a fly out there uh, i've seen some weird stuff just happen in calm flat sunny stuff like i think that's that's probably when the lake is most unpredictable to be honest and and uh, i love the fact that you you painted those conditions there um i kind of like you know, a cop car apex, um, one to two ounce weight on it, probably. Okay. I'll keep it back, you know, 175, 185. And I'll probably leave it on the far outside, to be honest, just because I have no intention of bringing it in. Right. And, uh, and it's a five, five, you know, I run the big ones. Um, I customize it, trick it out a little bit. I put some scent on it that I like to use. Um, that'll stay out there, right? That's going to give a lot of flash from the surface. Obviously, probably nobody, nobody listening to this is going <laughs> to, is, is, you know, going to argue that right. a lot of flash from the surface. So they're going to see that from a long way away. Um, I'm definitely a huge fan of pulling linemans. I didn't realize that a, I, I've met a lot of people who don't pull them on the surface. They do it downrigger only. And I always thought that was weird. I've I've always pulled linemans on the surface and it's probably one of my favorite things to do. Um especially for big fish on Kukanusa. Um Derek, I netted Derek's uh winning derby fish off a of lineman on the surface. I think that was 2015 uh spring derby. Wow. You know, that was a 21 pound fish, I think. So that's a big that was a big spring that's a fish good for 2015. Spring fish. That's a yeah, nice for 2015. Fish. I believe it's 2015. You guys could look up the the standings, I'm sure, in the derby results. But yeah, that was a lineman just right on the surface. And there ain't nothing cooler than watching him smack that on the surface. It's it pretty violent. Um but yeah, you know, I'm probably gonna mix it up. Sunny, sunny flat days are tough. Anybody will tell you that. So you gotta you gotta find something. Um probably gonna have a lot of everything. Um I do like spoons in those conditions, um, but I probably run a spoon down deep, probably run an apex deep on downrigger too, but I never, I never give up on flies. So I don't, I don't think I'm any different than anybody else, right? You're going to run your wood, you're going to run your plastic, but I don't abandon the flies altogether. I really don't. Um, 
it's really hard to. Yeah, and I like to go, believe it or not, the more calm, the more flashier I like. So the more the more gaudy and obscene fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all, it's all the tinsel and flash and just, just <laughs> a gnarly looking thing going through the water. I actually prefer those in the sunny, calm conditions. Whereas when it's just good fall, cloudy, wavy weather, I actually prefer much less flash. I'd rather have just a just a minimum with just hair, you know. Almost um, more of like a silhouette. You're yeah, going exa- a exactly. That's exactly right. There's a certain color that I'm using on a certain time of day in a cloudy condition to make the right silhouette for those conditions to full of fish. That's exactly right. Whereas when the sun's out and it's calm, it's got to be a, a look at me kind of pattern, you know, like, look, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a Christmas tree like, with hey, looks I'm in here. it. Basically, you, just, you need to be to troll a Christmas tree. <laughs> it looks like it just walked out of Claire's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, a lot of a lot of S curves, right? You're trying to you're trying to do anything, man. You, a lot of S turns, a lot of weaving back and forth and adjusting speeds. And uh, I find the apexes are usually more productive um, during those times than, than other things. Man, I just like all the conditions that throw that Ponderay. I I've never fished Kukanuska, but it's on the bucket list. I got to get over there and do it. Mm. Might have to book a. I might have to book a charter. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, just it's so much fun. And that's something we should talk about. It's like going into those different conditions and just, mm. you know, trying to figure out and like, what's your gameplay through those conditions? Like, I love stormy days. Like, oh man, 60 miles an hour, man. Like, you really have to pull hard to get me off the lake. Like, yeah. Oh, but then there's those days where you kind of got a mix and it's like you got nice one foot to two foot rollers and it's like, a little breeze on top, putting some chop on the surface and a little yeah. broken sky. Like, I mean, what, what do you like, Joe? Let's like, what's your favorite conditions? You know, it depends if, you know, and then there's different approaches. I think if you're, if you're guiding, you're just trying to get fish in the boat If you're tournament fishing. You're just looking for one fish, right? You're not, you're not trying to put numbers in the boat. You're trying to put one big fish in the boat. And my approach then is pretty much all hair. Um, occasionally, I might throw an apex or a plug out there for sure. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, man, if, if we're in those prime time conditions like you're talking about, I want to see my boards flying out of the water. I mean, it's it's going to be straight hair, man. Um, yeah. If it's in the morning, I run certain colors, you know, a little bit brighter colors. Um, and then as the day progresses, we'll, we'll change you know, into more darker colors that create a little more because different colors create different contrasts depending on how the sun's hitting, hitting the water. And, and I think that's what I've learned the most over the past few years is, is understanding how to up your odds by, by knowing what colors to run in the morning. And, and I tweak a lot of, uh, you know, patterns that I've learned to use and see. Um, you know, there's like some really good information out there too. Like if you go on YouTube, you can look at how colors change as you go deeper into the water. And mm-hmm. that might, like, if you're running downriggers, you know, that'll apply to that. But at the same time, if you think about it as cloud cover versus sunlight, like, right. 
that's all going to affect the color and how that, how that lure pops. Yep. You know, and I, I think a lot of people, if they look at those videos, they're like, Oh, at a hundred feet, this color really pops. This color really pops. And it's like, mm-hmm. or this color turns, you know, you can run pink down at a hundred feet and it's basically like the same color as Brown. Right. right? But if you do it up this, you apply those same basics to surface fishing with cloud cover let's say you know like it's mm-hmm. it's all the same and it's kind of cool like colors and fishing like everybody looks at a, a bright hot pink lure and they're like oh the fish will see this for days not necessarily like yeah <laughs> it, it's kind of funny how our eyes perceive stuff and how fish perceive stuff and like how colors reflect light in the water and yeah, and it's, it's insanely important. I mean, a lot of people tell you Gerard's probably have some of the best eyesight that there is. Um, yeah, I'd agree 100%. In the fish world, so to, to full one takes a lot. Um, and yeah, and then throw in waves. You know, now now they're getting an inconsistent picture of what they're looking up at. And, and I think that's, you know, that's where fishermen can take advantage, you know, of that that situation and i think that's where a lot of people you know seem to have most of the success i mean we all get excited once the chop starts building up out there but yeah if i'm running it's pretty much if i'm tournament fishing that's gonna be it um if i'm on kukanusa you know honestly i don't run flies hardly as much at all (laughs) um (laughs) i will during like spring tournament time i'll run some flies but man, when I'm on Kukanusa and I'm just trying to put fish in the boat, it's pretty much a crankbait, spoon, wooden plug type of game. Uh, consistently, you know, I I could go a month without putting a fly in the water. It's definitely a very different fishery, um, for sure. But uh, my approach is also different too. I'm trying to put fish in the boat and and make sure everybody's catching fish and having a great time. And that that's kind of what it's about. And that's like that's really cool. Uh, coming from a guide i mean that's that's the most important thing i mean to us a 30 inch fish you know like that's what we're after 30 inch yeah. plus you know but for these guys you know they could be happy with like a 16 inch fish and yep like you realizing that and being able to do that for those clients i'm i'm sure it means a lot to them and like all your, the pictures you post on facebook and everything i mean it's just like you can tell they're all genuinely happy and they have good trips. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And, and that's exactly right. And that's really what it's about. And, and you can tell it's just an awesome experience for, for the group, you know, when they get to do that. And uh, to be honest, I think I can count on one hand how many haven't come back. And that's the cool part is when they want to come do it again or when they say, oh, we want this to be an annual trip. Yeah. You know, that's when it just becomes like, oh, awesome. Glad you guys love this as much as I do. This, this It just makes it that much more fun. And then it, then it becomes a bond, you know, then you turn into friends and, and it just, it just adds to the experience and, and, and I love it. And that's what draws me to this is I get to share this with other people. And it's just, I, I don't, I don't know. It, it's, when you just share it with people who are as passionate as you, then that's when you know you're with your people, you know? Yeah. 
absolutely. It's like there's nothing better than getting somebody out for their first time and like seeing the reaction when they catch like that a five pound fish. Yeah, or, and it's yeah. like it, it it's almost better than like myself. I, I'm sure you feel the same way, but it's almost better than catching a 32 inch or just seeing like that excitement. It's like, for sure. Okay. That was worth it to see them react that way. And that, that was cool. That was a cool, like that made the day. If we yeah. don't get another fish for the rest of the day, they're fine. Like, <laughs> yep. You know, it's, it's funny. What, uh, something I've learned in doing this is, is trying to be trying to balance and give yourself fishing time. Cause there was, there was a while there's probably a couple years stretch where you're like netting fish for other people going, how come I don't catch fish like this? <laughs> <laughs> and, and yes, you're happy. But at the same time, you're like, this never happens when I'm out here fishing. <laughs> it's funny. You say that Mark and I were just having the conversation, the same exact conversation the other day we were talking and it was like, Hey, like, when's the last time we reeled a fish in? Like, we've been watching yeah. all these guys reel these fish in. Like, when's the last time I got to reel a fish in or you got to yeah. reel it? And he's like, yeah, I haven't really thought about that. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, man, you're just netting all these other people's fish, and that's why I have to have, like, my own time when I'm out on, on Fort Peck, you know, or, or even on, on Ponderé. I have to, like, really protect my time, man, because you won't get to go out there and fish. You're just always fishing for everybody else, and – and never yourself and you you don't want to lose you know why you got into it in the first place is is you love it too you know and, yeah. and you got to give yourself time and your family time and your friends time and it's not always just you know you, you can only stretch yourself so thin so do you give yourself uh do you set an allotment for so many days a year that joe gets to go out and reel some fish in or you know i evaluate it by trip um, it, you nailed it. I've started to do that because I've realized <laughs> I, have, I have to have like my sanity. Yeah, yeah. man. Dude. I mean, when you go out there and you're like, all right, I'm getting fed up with this. <laughs> like, yeah, you you just, yeah, you do. You have to set aside your own time. And, uh, it's very hard because a lot of people want to share that time with you and you got to be like, well, this is kind of like my time where i am I want to catch fish and you and they're like, Oh, I'll let you fish. And you're just like, you know, you're like, all right. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, you're right. I'll evaluate a trip to Fort Peck and say, okay, I'm going to give this many days for myself, you know, so that I could go have fun. Mm-hmm. And, and I found that I'm not very good at sticking to that. And sometimes I just have to go get on someone else's boat to keep me from putting myself to work, you know? Yeah. And I, well, yeah. personally, I, I just, I take, I take friends out all the time. Or I take people and, you know, I love to take kids out, but um, yeah, I try to give myself a few trips a year where it's like, all right, I got to get out by myself for the day and just go unwind, release. Like for me, that's almost the biggest thing just to get away. It's like, there's something, uh, it's like hunting by yourself too when you go out and you're facing everything by yourself you're running you know 14 rods or you know (laughs) there's something it's a challenge it's cool you get some breathing room you can say whatever the hell you want to say it's just you the fish and the boat and whatever happens falls on you like right and it's kind of a cool challenge to do yep 
Nope, you're you're exactly right. And uh always find I learned the most um doing that. Are you there? Yeah, you hear me? Oh yeah, sorry. Well <laughs> uh no, I was just saying I always find that I, I learn the most when I do that. Yeah. No, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. Like you you're not worried about Yep. anything else but that, fishing that's, that's right there's no like, distractions there's no concerns you are just full-blown attention concentration and there's no other influence in what you're doing yeah and you can focus solely on your your presentation your mm-hmm. speeds like you can get really geeky out there and yep. start messing with some new stuff that's what i really like to do when i get to go out by myself it's like i'm gonna try this today yep. just tweak it a little bit you know Right. Versus when you're with somebody and it's like you want to put fish in the boat, you go to your tried and true stuff. You go yep. to your notes and you're like, all right, this day, this time, like same situation. All right, let's throw some of this stuff on. I have mm-hmm. to keep notes because, I mean, I can remember dang near almost every bite I've had out on the lake, like every real memorable one. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. all your big fish, it's like, oh yeah, you look at a fly in your boat, you're like, that's flash you know yep (laughs) or plug but it's like those little details all if i don't write them down i'll surprise myself and when i go back on my notes i'll be like oh i wasn't doing that speed i was doing this speed and i was doing (laughs) this and i was going this way with the wind not that way and it's like all that stuff comes into account yep like we were having a conversation earlier about um like uh line diameter and stuff like that it's like you know that stuff is all there's so much that goes into it yep that people overlook and yep. it can mean fish in the boat or a long boat ride <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i've i've learned to kind of there's line diameter that may affect how many bites you get but then there's methods and techniques for how many of those you land. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, it's a balance. It's, it's a trade-off, right? Like anything else. Well, if you lower your diameter, you're going to get more bites. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, you're going to have your hands full. Um, and really, it's about being patient, uh, I think, and, and having a good partner in the boat. I think those are your two essential combinations to, to landing a good fish and and i find it interesting that every fish is different you know you'll get some fish that are just like well never gonna land this thing just watch it sail away and then you'll be surprised at the size fish that just come right on into the boat (laughs) man you're like look at that thing it didn't do anything (laughs) yeah he just came he just walked right in yeah i find that interesting yeah each fish is different you know i find that interesting uh this this conversation is going great i i'm really enjoying talking with you joe and um i just like uh it's making me want to go fishing man (laughs) yeah i know i know it's making me like just all right water just get cold right now and get a little windy i'm ready oh i heard a report the other day that it was 62 on the surface that's good enough man man i'm like yeah I'm looking at my boat right now. It's outside the window here. And I'm no, like, that's good uh, enough because, you know, thermoclines over here are somewhere between 30 and 40. And 
that that's all you need. You know, it's it's on at that point. And I'm probably going to head out Saturday, go do a little scouting and see what's going on on Kukanusa. And because the books open up, I think October 9th, and I'm pretty much a busy, busy person into December um, between uh, charters. And uh, I think I'm going to head over your way and, and go partake in the Derby madness that is Lake Pondere in the fall. Um, yeah, see if we can't get another uh, catch and release fish for the wall. Um, had had you know two dandies over twenty three last year that were really really fun, and some others that were in that nineteen to twenty range. And you know, it just keeps you coming back, right? And and, and seeing the the efforts on everybody's part, um, you know, in, in the clubs to to you know, spend the money, have the resources to do a catch and release and have the incentives there for that. I think it's, it's really cool seeing the conservation efforts um, during this time of year to, uh, to keep this going for for future generations and and for everybody else. Um, I I don't know. I, I just, I can't say enough good things about everybody who in the list of people is too long to even try to, uh, (laughs) to to name uh, them all, but, but they know who they are and they're so instrumental and and they bring such good energy um, and the ideas and the approaches. It's like, I, I wish, you know, I try to donate cause that's probably my, my best way. I, I don't really have a whole lot of time to give per se, but if there's something I can do to contribute to the cause to, to keep these kind of efforts going, then, then I'm going to do it, you know, that's um, because, cool. because we all benefit from it. Right. We all, we all want this um, to thrive, to be successful, uh, to continue, whether, whether you are, uh, support derbies or totally against them, you know, th- that's fine. But, but at least seeing, um, you know, th- these, these clubs or derby holders, uh, making that move, uh, it, it means a lot. And, and I think it shows how, how much, you know, they, they actually care. It's cool because, um, you know, when derbies, bring a lot of traction and mm-hmm. they they bring a lot of people out on the lake and the fact that they're like hey let you know let's try to introduce some new ideas to see if we can get more of a more catch and release on some of these bigger mature fish there was mm-hmm. 25 pound fish release last year i know if i if I, I mean wasn't there a 25 pounder re- uh, caught this spring yeah I mean, that's I kind of scary. So. Don't, <laughs> that's kind of scary. <laughs> don't quote me on it, but I'm 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 a, I'm almost positive you're right there. But it's cool to see that initiative being taken, where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. these mature fish are getting thrown back in. It's like, yeah, there's bycatch. There's you know, and there's people that are going to take fish. I have nothing against that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with somebody going out catching a fish it's their first big fish or you know they're learning like we all started somewhere and it's like you were talking about earlier like um you know you it's it's that maturing process of an angler yeah. like you start out and you're going to be catching and you know when you catch a fr- your first 10 pound fish or your first 15 pound fish it's going to feel right. like 20 pound fish to you and you're, you're probably going to whack it on the head and take it home put it on the wall, have it for dinner, whatever you're going to do with it. You want to show people and all the power to you. I've got no problem with that. 
but mm. it's just setting a, a new example. The, you know, these people that have been out there for a long time and have been fishing net, you know, they're trying to set a new example for, for the lake for generations to come. And it's kind of cool to see that, that whole process go down and actually be living while it's going down, you know, like yeah. we're watching like the forefront of a new kind of a, a, a twist on the generation that's, you know, we're changing the way we're doing things. So, you know, there's a lot more people concerned about the lake as a whole now than, you know, just going out there and getting that bragging fish that they can whack. And, right. Yep. It's cool. I, yeah. What are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, and having, uh, you know, the kids partake and, and, you know, the rulers and the measurements and the pictures and then the releasing is like, man, that's awesome. You know, that's yeah. now now you're just planting that seed. Right. You're just yeah. you know, ingraining that on, on the future um, and, and how to be, you know, more responsible now than, and then, you know, years past, you know, per se. Um, I, I, th- I think it's a big deal. I think it's, it's a great effort. It's it's so cool. Um, you know, it, it made me go, Oh, okay. I gotta get a live well in the boat. And I had a transom box, but finally converted it to a live well, you know? So, so now I've got one, so now I can partake and, and yeah, I mean, just shows kind of how serious I am drilled holes into my boat to make sure that I can, I can be a part of that change. And, And it was just good to see it on, on that level. Um, and by people who by all rights should be stewards of the lake, you know? Right. Um, and I think there's a conservation aspect, a responsibility aspect that you kind of take on if you're going to be an outfitter. Um, Cause that's, that's your future, right? If you're making money off a resource, you need to do what you can to do your part to sustain it. Right. Um, but yeah. And, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm like any other guy, you know, we were out there fishing and you hear somebody, you know, kill and weigh in a 17 pound fish. And you're like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. And you're just fuming on the other end of the radio going, come on. <laughs> I don't, but, and I've been there. And yeah. at the same time, I like, I'll sit back and I'll be like, all right, like maybe that's that person's first time. catching." Yeah. Yep. And it's like, all right, like, I got to chill out. It's cool. Like, I'm not, like, I will be the last person to get on Facebook and and start throwing crap at somebody. Yeah. You know, that I've never seen before. Now, if it's somebody that I've seen before and that I know fishes it a lot, then I'd be like, all right, you need some flack. Like, what the hell? And I'll, but mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. Like, it's such a thin line. And it's, when we're all out there and it's like our biggest thrill is like, hey, you know, we want to go out there and catch seven or eight 20 pound fish. We don't want to catch, you know, one 20 pound fish a year. Like this right. is the stuff that's got to happen. And yep. it's cool to see the clubs do, you know, at first, like I was a little aggravated at first when we, when we started getting all these derbies, like all these different derbies. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, like, how many back to back to back to back derbies are we going to have? But at the same time, seeing the efforts that they're doing, you know, it's like with the kids, they want to do the measuring stick, take a picture, let it go, you know, 
for the uh, other one of the other clubs is you bring the fish in and in your live well you weigh it in a bag you let it go like that's cool stuff and i i'm pretty excited to see it evolve personally yeah, I hope I hope it keeps going. I hope the the energy stays where it's at, and uh, you know it gets turned over to, you know, the next generation and, and the next group, and it sets a a good example of the direction we're trying to go. And and like I said, paints that picture of stewardship that we probably all all should share when we're out there wanting to uh, preserve the future. I'm sure you want your kids to hook into giants in the future. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on that note, oh, where was I going to go with this? Oh, man. I just, Joe, I've been, I, I had two whiskeys and now I'm like drawing blanks here. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was going to, um, yeah, shoot. My bad. Now I'm, I'm drawing a major blank. I'm going to stew on it. So let's good. talk about. Um, okay, this is where I was going to talk about. So, if say you're new, say you're new out there on the water, let's mm-hmm. talk about maybe a fish that you'd want to cull. Like, because we definitely get them in Pondere. There's fish out there that it's like that fish should not be in the fishery. You know, um, like hybrids, cut bows. You know, we're trying to preserve a unique genetic um, and a certain, as like, I don't know if you've noticed or, or if you've caught some of these fish, but they almost look like a snake. <laughs> Big yeah. Guy. You know, I haven't. Um, so I get, so I get to weasel my way out of asking that question or answering that question. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have not had experience with that there, but I will say for sure if I'm somewhere else and there's an obvious uh, genetic issue <laughs> with, with a fish, um, I more than likely um, remove it. Um, I have caught, Oh, what was it? Uh, real, real ill-looking adipose-clipped fish out of Kukanusa. Really? Which, which, unfortunately, with the regs, I couldn't release that one. Or I couldn't keep that one. Oh, um, no kidding. But the, but they are rare. I can count on one hand how many adipose-clipped fish I've caught out of there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm of the same mindset for sure as far as, you know, removing um, certain certain fish you know from from the dna pool but on the other hand i firmly also believe that that fish will be genetically inferior and he'll get his butt kicked when he tries to go spawn <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i could agree i, I, I really do I, like... I i you know you you take a step back and go you know i bet these fish did just fine for millions of years before we showed up <laughs> so yeah. so it's kind of like sure i guess you could you could be involved and, and try to do your part um uh, but i also do believe that uh yeah that that fish will will find its difficulties and it will be naturally weeded out um because that's what happened before we arrived yeah i could agree i agree there um it's 
it's a it's a funny it's kind of a weird uh I don't even know how to put it I'm little scatterbrained there but um fish are fish and fishermen and what they keep what they release what they catch it's it's something that we're all struggling with <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely a yeah it's a highly debated uh topic for sure yeah what to, what to call you know what what think. to keep uh yeah I'd, and it depends on where i'm at uh fortunately for me not spending a whole lot of time on pondere um i can tell you i've only ever kept one fish out of that lake and that's cool. and that's just because it was toast. <laughs> it was, it would have been completely irresponsible to release that fish. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there was any blood left in it by the time it hit the net. See, and that's cool. Like that's um, what people need to know. Like, I, like people, like when they I'll, catch a fish and it comes in and you can just see it in their eyes. Like, Oh, for sure. They're, they're done. And just to well, throw I that can, fish away is oh, like, man. Or when I can see the, the blood trail <laughs> as yeah. it's coming into the net. You Got know, it gets um, a fly deeper. Oh yeah, and that—that's what it was. It was a deep fly all the way down to the into the gills. So mm-hmm. it was, yeah. It that fish was toast, but I've let them all go. Um, for myself, I just, you know, I I don't have any need to to keep those. I got a sam. I got you know freezers full of salmon, uh, coho and and chinook and and halibut. I'm spoiled, so. No, no need for me to eat a rainbow. <laughs> it's kind of so it's kind of like no, going nothing against rainbows, <laughs> but I'm gonna take a coho or halibut any day. <laughs> I, you know, I've had a couple of the rainbows smoked, and they're all right smoked, but just to go out there and catch them for something to eat, like uh, I'll pass. Like they're not that great. I, I don't know. It's it's not something that I'm wanting to consume on a daily basis. That's yeah, everybody's really different, you know, and I and I respect that, and I respect the people that go out to fish uh, to eat them, and and to those people, I always say just take the middle sized ones out. That's kind of my generic fallback answer. Take the middle ones out, less competition for the big ones, and gives uh, more room for the little ones to grow. Yeah, um, you know whether whether that's an ignorant statement or not, you know everybody's going to have their opinion on it. Um, you know, that statement is backed up by a lot of the biologists that I know and that I talk to. And when I say that, it's not like I'm going out there and harvesting fish intentionally. Yeah. Um, you won't ever find a, a rainbow, uh, in my fridge. <laughs> so, yeah, but, no, but I do hard. know, you know, some, some clients like to keep, um, if they end up in our fridge, we smoke them up and mm-hmm. they're delicious. They're great smoked. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as cooking them for a meal, uh, I'd highly not advise yeah. that. Just, yeah, but you'd uh, be surprised, man. There's a lot of people just, you know, they 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 keep what you catch, you know, you that that mentality of just bonk whatever comes to the boat. Um, it's a lot more prevalent than I realized, and I was uh pretty shocked. And it's probably very you know. <laughs> is it yeah like I and said, I, it could be I a very debatable I topic <laughs> i don't want to come across as like oh you know i i you know i took all the power to them if they enjoy it and they're using it then mm-hmm. good good yeah. good for you 
I'm I'm not gonna sit there and bitch about it. That's not nah. what I'm get, come. It's not how I'm trying to come across. I'm just right. for me personally, <laughs> I can't stand them. Yeah, I have. I mean, other than you know the fight, and mm-hmm. if, we, if we keep one, it's uh, the meat goes in the smoker. We love them smoked. They're great smoked, but um, yeah, it's not. It's not something that's. It's not a regular occasion here. Right. So, yeah, and, on, and when I'm on Kukunusa, you got clients that want to keep some, take some meat home, and awesome. Just make sure, you know, they're taking back, you know, maybe 16 to 22-inch rainbows at most, you know. Uh-huh. And and that's awesome. Uh, shoot, I remember when uh, it was the last year of the catch card where you could keep one on uh, Kukunusa. Keep a bull trout, excuse me. And, um, and yeah, you know, you'd have people be like, oh, take me out, I want – I want as big a bull trout as I can get because you only get one and they're getting ready to, to shut that off, you know? And I'm like, yeah, oh, I kind of got some uh, uh, ethical moral dilemma here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's, like, it's like, okay, I'll go get you the biggest one I can, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you come back with a 17 yeah. incher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just put out all small lures, <laughs> all, all real tiny stuff. But yeah, you know. Well, hey, that's going against the a myth that I've heard that uh, small lures catch big fish. Like, and yeah, they it, can, and it does work. I'm not, but for sure. <clears throat> yeah, I don't, man. This is my theory. Like, when I fish Ponderay, it's literally like gambling. Like, you might get over a big fish and he just sees that presentation that you're throwing over the top of him and he's mm. going to hit it no matter what it is. If it's right to him, he'll hit it. Right. But, and it could be anything from a two inch Rapala all the way up to a seven inch fly. Like, yep. I mean, it's, you never know, but yep. like, let's talk about that a little bit. Like if you were going out on Pondre Lake or Kukanuska. And you wanted to catch one of those above average fish. Mm-hmm. Like we're not, you know, we're talking like a little, you know, a, a good size fish, a bigger fish over 30 inches, let's say. Yeah. Like your tactics change a little bit. And yep. like, can you speak to that a little bit? And yeah, for sure. Um, if I'm just going solid big fish usually it's an action and a speed adjustment based on conditions um it's never really quite the same but for that particular one of mary's derbies the ones where you got the picture from in that particular derby we were going three one miles an hour into some serious stuff. I remember that derby, and I, I was just exactly. flying by people, <laughs> and we were just doing one run, and it was only in one direction. So we do our run, hit one or two big fish, turn around, troll the other way, not get anything turn around, do that same line again, get one or two big fish. And then it was like, all right, we're not going to do the run going with the waves. We're only going to go into the waves. And so then we would pull gear at the end of our run 
run back to where we started and we just kept doing that we probably ended up with six big fish and it it was just one of those things where you just kind of search a speed and i guess what i'm getting at is you've got your standard two five to two seven or two eight that a lot of people run and kind of when i'm targeting big fish i'll up the ante you know what i mean Mm. I'll, i'll i'll start cruising Cover water, get a almost kind of like in the bass world, like a reaction strike. You know, you give them just yeah. a little bit, little bit less time to make their decision. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, there's some days where, yeah, I'm going to go up to 3-1 pulling flies um, on Ponderé, on Kukanusa. If I'm just strictly big fish fishing, it's pretty much going to be, I'm just pulling plugs. And okay. for whatever reason, the big fish in there just love plugs. Can you catch them on other stuff? Of course. But if you just run the numbers, at least personally for my statistics, it's going to be your wooden plugs. Just seem to produce big fish. Well, you um, spend a lot of time on the water too. And like, I mean, that's what I think the listeners – uh, if you're listening to this, Joe spends, I mean, dude, how many days do you spend on the water? I don't even know. Not enough. <laughs> like it's not, lot. not enough. But, but that's the thing though, is how many days do you spend on the water pursuing just big fish versus how many days on the water are you spend just trying to get any fish in the boat? And yeah, that's, and that that's really the hard part. And that's different. kind of what you keyed in on is those are two different approaches. You know, as, as we said earlier, if I'm just trying to put fish in the boat, we're going to be running spoons and crankbaits and plugs and flies and and whatever it takes. And we're trolling from 2-4 to 3-1. Now, yeah. if you're like, hey, don't waste my time. I don't care if I get skunked. All I want is a giant fish. Yeah, things are going to change. Yeah, things are going to change. Gonna we're going to be we're gonna be running big old, you know, probably be running some big plugs and and things of that nature and we'll probably be sticking to a certain speed and we're going to be covering some water, some big time water. Um, and, and there's very particular patterns that I use for big fish on Kukanusa. And yeah, that's, that's kind of it. You know, you, 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 you nailed it. There's a different, there's a different approach for sure. And right. You, you, always, you always ask people, all right, do you want a lot of fish or you want big fish? And it's like, well, I was both. <laughs> I was like, well, that always worked that way. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so do I. So do I. <laughs> yeah, I, that's just something I wanted to get across to the viewers. Like, you know, when you're targeting, like a lot of people, I'm sure you get messages, but I get messages quite a bit. And people are like, hey, I want to catch some of these big rainbows out on the lake. And I was like, well. You know, like one of my first answers is be prepared to not catch fish. Yep. Or that's, go a up. that's the best thing you could tell them. Be ready to get your butt kicked. Yeah. I mean, you're you're going to go out there and you're going to be humbled really fast. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. the best way to say it, man. <laughs> man, it's just like. You're just like, go out there, like, if you go out there with that mentality, like, oh, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to catch a big fish. Yeah. It's going to happen. You're probably going to come back with your head down at the end of the day. But yeah. you just like, go out there and it's like, you're prepared for it mentally. 
Yep. Okay, I'm going out. I'm going to target this. I'm probably not going to catch anything if you go out there with that mindset, but you still go out there with that will and that drive, and you stick to keeping your knots clean, keeping your line right, like changing leaders, changing your speeds, doing your presentations, making sure everything's just right. Like you mm-hmm. have a good chance and it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. You just weren't over the fish. Yep. It's, and, it's, it's funny you say that there, there is no more humbling place than Ponderay. And uh, it, it's funny. I, I always, I always use that whenever like say I'm on uh, four peck salmon fishing and salmon will just turn off and there isn't a damn thing you can do about it. I mean, you could hit them in the face with the lure and they're still not going to take it. And, <laughs> and if people give up, you know, like half day of fish and there's like, screw these salmon, we're done. Um, you know, they're not biting this and that. And, you know, I'll just be out there forever. Like, how do you, how do you do that? I'm like, have you ever fished Pondery? Yeah. <laughs> I've been out there with 14 rods for five days and never got a release. This is easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can go a day. Like, yeah this is this is way easy <laughs> man there's some days it's like when you're going out there and you're trying to target those bigger fish those that you know that certain size class that we're, we keep going back to referring to this the, the trophy fish the fish mm-hmm. of a lifetime like yeah. there's days you go out there and it's just i mean you you feel like you're just you're just burning boat gas yeah, like it's easy to get down on yourself and start thinking negative about the situation. Mm-hmm. But then once that thing happens, it's like magical, and yeah. all you forget about all the time you spent pursuing yep. that fish, and it's like it's you and the fish, and it's like buck fever comes through you, like you just start shaking and you're trembling, and it's like there's no better feeling in the world, and it's like. Yeah. If people got to experience that every single time they went out, like, I think they'd understand it, but it's like, it's really, that's, I think that's one of the hardest parts for people to get motivated to go out there and do like what me and you and Mark, like all, you know, Kevin Sawyer, all these guys that we, me and you have talked about. And it's like, you know, to get to that place, you have to spend a lot of time. It just doesn't happen overnight. And like you could have mm-hmm. the lure, the rod, the lot, like everything exact, and no. go out there, and you're like, "Yep, nope." Joe caught a 26 pounder on this fly with this rod and this reel, and he can pull that off his boat, man. And he could, like, it might not do anything for him. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> like it's funny like when i watch people on facebook like hey what's the word on ponderay coming up there for the first time yeah and you know i'm i'm ready to chase some of them big rainbows like what do i need to get it's like dude welcome to the club like i think <laughs> i'm constantly going over like what do i need to get to, to up my game this year and i'll get this idea in my head and i'll be like oh I'm going to do this. I'm going to run this. I'm going to run yep. this way. And I go out there and I'm humbled like yep. instantly. And it's like, damn, the fish strike. Like, yep. <laughs> Starting over again. <laughs> something, something that, uh, something I do. Um, I don't know if you do like, 
this is what I always tell people. You can't relate rainbows to structure. Like they're, they're no. and you know it. Like I know no. you know this. Like, I don't have to tell you, but yeah, people are like, you know, what spot on the lake? Everybody wants a GPS coordinate. Like, hey, yep. drop me a waypoint. Where am I going to catch a fish? It's like, dude, <laughs> welcome to the club. Like, uh... they could be anywhere. They're pelagic, man. Like, literally, yep. that's the best way I can describe those trout. I mean, we're fishing <laughs> 1,200 feet of water. There's nothing there that's holding a trout other than bait, you know? You mean they're not laying in the mud under a log waiting for something to swim by? Like a like a, a day-old hot dog or two-day-old hot dog? <laughs> right, that's the first thing I said when I first saw pictures of the fish that come out of Pond Ray when Derek was showing me. I'm like, man, how big a ball of garlic power bait you need to catch them? Jesus. Yeah, you put it on a jug line? Like, yeah. Where, where's your milk jug? <laughs> yeah, put it float around. Man, that's a... That's like a whole lot of night crawlers to catch that thing. Yeah. <laughs> the whole, use the whole the whole box of night crawlers. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, we're getting pretty close to our two hour mark here. Yeah. Let's uh we did I did the post uh question and answers. Let's see if we can answer some of these. Yeah, we had a few come up. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna uh, pull it up here. Um, oh, come on. All right. So we did this uh, question and answers. I asked you guys if you got to sit down with Joe and talk fishing. What kind of questions would you ask him? And the first question we got was from Donnie Endicott. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Donnie. <laughs> what advice does he have for a semi-newbie like myself? <laughs> That's great stuff. What do you have for Donnie, Joe? <laughs> I, I got nothing for Donnie. I think I learned more from Donnie than I would ever give back to him. Um, my only advice for Donnie is to make sure when he's done sturgeon fishing to pull his, his, uh, bait off his hook. So it doesn't sit in his garage and turn into jerky. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he must've got home and said, fuck it. And, yeah. And, and my advice really was you need to devise a way to actually get a hold of these sturgeon, man, <laughs> because I went sturgeon fishing with them and. And it was uh, quite the adventure. It, it was a lot of fun. I hope I get to do that again. That that was that was just so cool, and and, and I definitely want to do it again with him. Um, but then he sent me a video, and he he devised a way to, to wrangle his uh, <laughs> his sturgeon. So he already took in, uh, my advice. There's a uh, there's nothing I'm gonna ever uh, teach Donnie. He knows more than me, and he's on top of the lake, man. If there's one guy who's just on top of the lake, it's him. Yeah, I'd agree. Donnie is one hell of a fisherman and a good guy, too. And yeah. He's a big part of what's going on with the catch and release stuff on the Ab- lake. Like, absolutely. Donnie's good people, man. Absolutely. I mean, if I if I lived closer over there, yeah, I mean, Donnie's wife would probably hate me. 
because we'd always be somewhere fishing. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's super awesome. So our next question is from Charlie Laduca. <laughs> are we really going there? Yeah. <laughs> we are going there, Joe. Oh, man. Was wondering if you could give some advice on relationships with women. <laughs> <laughs> and I know where he's going with this. I know. I know where he's going. I just, I had to ask. He asked the question. We got to talk about it. My my life is full of what not to do. <laughs> I could probably, I could, <laughs> I could probably write a book on what not to do. Oh, um. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, you know, um, relate uh, a story about uh, Charlie. We, I was fishing with Wes, and that was uh, the fish that's on my Facebook profile picture or whatever. I, I was, we just hit camp. We we're setting up right before camp, and we're trolling uh, across White Rock towards Mineral, towards Garfield. And and I think it's one uh, something we didn't talk about a lot but I kind of can't stress enough. And I know there's plenty of people that would support this. Um, man, you got to be the first one out there. I mean, you got to be, you know how many big fish have been caught before the way stations are even open. Like, yeah. You, uh, you got to be out there. Like if you can see your hand, you're late, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you need to be out there setting up in the dark, struggling to tell if your flies are, are going straight or tuned right and going straight or not and you're wearing and just, headlamps and, and yeah yep, exactly and i just i just bring that up because that morning when we got that fish which uh we successfully released and we got measurements um and hopefully i'm gonna have on my wall soon the replica um that was such an amazing just one of those dream uh males that you, that you want that everybody wants for the wall and I, and I bring that up because Charlie was right on my quarter and he hooked up too. So, so it was kind of neat. We we're kind of like pirouetting around each other as we're both fighting big fish um, in the same spot. And I, cu I couldn't help but think that, you know, honestly, the difference was, is I was just right in front of him, you know, and no, no doubt we're probably using a lot of the similar stuff. Um, and, and anyways, I just kind of wanted to key in on, you know, it's not necessarily a place where you just kind of go out there at nine o'clock, fish till one and call it a day. And if you didn't catch nothing, oh, well, I guess fish aren't biting. <laughs> it's not one of those yeah. places, you know, you know, Ponder A is one of them in the dark, you know, I mean, so I'm, Donnie can speak to that too. You know, you hook a fish in the dark, you're like, oh boy. <laughs> And, 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 like, yeah, I'll say something about both those guys. Mm -hmm. They they put their time in, and yep. they are like folks. Um, I know both these guys. They are diehards. They're great fishermen. They're, I mean, yeah they they deserve a lot of respect in my mind. Like they they do they do stuff. They tweak stuff. They they're great fishermen. Yeah. And, it's cool to know them. It's cool to be an acquaintance with them. Like they're cool dudes. And both like 
Donnie, he'll give you the shirt off his back. Like yeah. Donnie's just a down home good dude. Yeah. Um absolutely. Both cool guys, both great fishermen. No. Um, for I got sure. nothing, nothing bad to say about either of them. No, and I, I just wanted to throw that story out because like, we kind of didn't talk about times of day. And I just feel that just being out there in the dark setting up, which is tough to do in the spring, runoff, logs, fog, weeds, everything's working against you. But, man, in the fall, man, you got to be out there in the dark. Um, Joe, we are see. going – we're like, we need to do another podcast. Yeah. And we're like – like this will not be the last one if you'll come back. Yeah, like, for sure. No, no. I, well, hopefully we can do a live one with like some beers at the captain's table or something. Yeah, we'll video it. Yeah, we that'd can be, all that'd sit be a lot of fun. The captain's table with some of these legends. That we're as for uh, as for Charlie's question, relationship advice. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, I, you know, I kind of. <laughs> I I kind of live now by uh, fishing first. <laughs> <laughs> some some say that hasn't worked out well for me, and I'd argue it's worked out amazing. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was gonna go down the rabbit hole. Like yeah, was... yeah, it's gonna go down the rabbit hole. But yeah, yeah, we're going, to, yeah we're going down the rabbit hole. You know, you don't see me complaining about my life. I'll tell you that. No, no. <laughs> All right. So this one is from Mark Beauvais. And he wants to hear Rivers Inlet stories. Okay. Um, maybe throw out a Rivers Inlet story. Like, what's your most memorable Rivers Inlet story? Well, first of all, do you ever have, like, somebody you've always wanted to meet, but you've never met him? Mm-hmm. That's that's Mark Beauvais, right? Oh, dude, he was gonna come here tonight and do this uh, oh. do this podcast with me, but his wife, uh, I don't know if it was wife or whatever, something came up. He had to take care of some business, but he was bummed he couldn't be here for for the podcast, so for sure. But yeah, no, yeah, I'm Mark's sure good. I'm sure we'll get together on a podcast, and and that's somebody I definitely want to. It doesn't even have to be fishing, just go out in the woods with or just share a beer with and share stories. We talk about someone uh, insanely knowledgeable, um, both on his own and, and handed down from generations to generations, and someone who uh, is very professional in what they do and, and be able to articulate their, their passions and support their opinions. Um, Mark's at the top of the list, in my opinion. Is yeah, and I think no, I, I very agree highly with him. I'm pretty sure I would learn a lot from him, and I would just love to just hang out with him. Let's set it up. I want to be there. Like I'll just be that innocent bystander that sits in the corner and just listens to I'm you guys. Talk. Pretty sure we would just nerd <laughs> out, dude. Mark is fun. Like yeah, that guy. We go fishing or we go hunting or whatever. Like that guy is. Yeah, he's he's just a good friend. He's good people, and he's just very straightforward with what he, he does. And he's mm-hmm. very passionate. He's very he's extremely passionate about Lake Ponderay in general. Yep. Um, yeah, good dude. Love the guy. 
awesome. No, dude. for sure, for sure. And and hopefully I can do Rivers Inlet with them. But as far as yeah. Rivers Inlet stories, I mean, I've got a couple. Um, uh, What's the um, best one you have, Joe? Like, the best one was probably when I finally caught a 50-plus pound king. And so when you're in the trophy area, when you get into Rover, Rivers Inlet and you get back in there in the trophy area, it's um, no flashers, no downriggers, no weight more than eight ounces, no barbs, no artificial lures. <laughs> so, so you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, we just catch them with our teeth. So you're reduced to, you know, black label herring that you cut plug and you got them, you know, on a liter behind like a eight ounce sliding weight, right? And, okay. and you're in the current and you're kind of just adjusting with the tide and it's a very small area. So it's kind of like a, you know, like a carousel combat fishing. And, and at this point, your Kings have done their feeding, they've come in and now you're just trying to agitate them by putting something in their face. They're not really eating feeding per se. They've kind of that pre zombie mode before they start running up the river. They're just waiting for a certain, their indicators before they run up. And, What's interesting there is that glacier water won't mix with the salt water uh, uh, as it comes out of the rivers, right? Uh -huh. so you got just this aqua water where if you put your hand in the water, you can't see your hand. Like, it just disappears. Wow. It's so silty and blue. You can't see anything. So these fish come up, you know, and they're sensing where that change is and making sure they're in the right place and they just go down and they just kind of settle out and just do laps and wait right mm -hmm. so the idea is to put your cut plug near that transition zone near that area where they're going to come up to sense that they're in the right place and they sense the right water the right river and then you just want that bait in their face to piss them off right okay and there you know we talk about feet down well they do pulls right when you're over in British Columbia, they talk about poles. It's not about depth. So when you talk poles, you're talking like how many uh, feet of line you're pulling out of your reel. Exactly. Or, like, exactly. Right. So okay. they exactly. So they they grab the line right at the bale and they just go one strip, two strip, three strip. That's a bale. That's a pull. Right. Okay. So they'll say, you know, we're running this many poles or this many poles, and and anyways, you got you know, some rods out. And, and what's interesting there is you catch more fish on the bow than you do the stern because, because the motor hasn't gotten to them yet. And, and I would, I would assume it's a Doppler effect, right? Sounds that approaches versus when it's at you versus when it's going away. Um, okay. So, so anyways, there's a lot of runoff. There's weeds, and you got to check your bait, make sure it's roll, it's twirling right, right? It's got to be very specific. You got to be very anal about making sure your cut plug's twir twirling right. So, anyways, we'll take turns. And Derek's got a big, beautiful allied boat, but you got to like kind of crawl on the edge to get to the bow, right? It's not like you just walk up to the front, right? Right. So, running two rods on the bow, and I think two rods in the back or something like that, maybe three rods. I don't remember. Um, and I got my, my, you know, my better set up in the back and then one decent one in the front. And then I didn't have any other rods. So I just throw this little like medium weight, little Fenwick, you know, with like a low profile Akuma cold water, <laughs> you know, looking back now, very irresponsible thing to do. <laughs> Let me guess. 
That's gonna... the rod the fish hit. Oh man, dude. So, and and when they hit, it's it it's very interesting. They're very light hitters because they don't really know their hook. They're just kind of shaking their head, trying to get that thing off their face. So. You just see the rod, and it's just barely twitching, but it's enough to go, oh, yeah, it looks like there's something on there. And then the fish figure out it's hooked. Oh, my God. And the rod goes over the rail, like bends over the rail, and it's slapping against the bow. And the rod is just slapping against the bow, and it is going to sea. <laughs> is just going to sea. I mean, by the time I got to the rod, I had to climb out of the captain's chair, go out the back, get on the side of the boat, crawl to the front of the bow to get to my rod. By the time I got there, we started at, I think, 13 feet down, and I believe I was at 395. Oh, my gosh. By the time I got there, and you could feel the heat. So now I'm holding on to this rod. And you can, it's just a little medium Fenwick, and you can hear it cracking. <laughs> I hear it. I'm just waiting for this thing to snap in my face, right? And I'm just, like, envisioning a Hilo vac out of there by the Coast Guard or it's just something awful, right? I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm just holding on to this rod. It's cracking in my hand. It's just slapping against the bow. I can now feel the line going over against the bottom of the boat, and I can feel his other line on the other side. And I'm screaming at Derek to turn the boat. Right? Uh huh. Derek just whips out a knife and he cuts every line on the boat. Oh. I mean, that's. Wow. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, that's hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> that's hardcore, dude. <laughs> just, yeah, no kidding. That's he like... just cuts every line on the boat. And jumps into the captain's chair, and off we go. And I'm, and well, I'm just he's like, determined to get this fish to the boat. He's yeah, like, he know he knows we're not messing around. And it was like, oh man. And there, unlike you know, other places you fish for salmon, such as Fort Peck, there when you hook up, people get out of the way and they root you on, you know, and all that good stuff, and, and they want you to catch a fish. Where sometimes a four peck when you hook a fish, people just get right on top of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and make it very difficult to land your fish, I've noticed. That would not fly at Rivers Inlet. You're probably gonna get met at the dock and it probably won't be pretty. Oh man. Um so so we're out to sea, man, and it's foggy out, and Derek and I are just chasing this fish. And I want to say it was about an hour 40 minutes, hour 45 minute fight. And and I don't really know who won. <laughs> like I was, <laughs> but by the time we got to the fish, that was it. I had nothing left. Oh and, my god! Uh, you and you. This whole time, you can never see the fish because the water's so blue and silty. But you know that was an awesome experience. So I had to, I had to like hand them the rod through the window, go out the back, and reach for it. It was just crazy how this fish stayed on and how we landed it. Just I, I don't know. It's just one of those cool experiences. Um, you know, ended up netting it. It was right at the 50-pound mark. Um, big, dark female. I should probably have her recreated, you know, and done. And she was toast. You know what I mean? There was, uh, uh, unfortunately, even, even if you wanted to let it go, there was nothing. You, I mean, <laughs> it was done. And I was done. You know, it was kind of like one of uh, 
you ever see the the sturgeon video with Donnie where he's like, all right, go ahead, pick up the sturgeon. <laughs> <laughs> After like a two hour fight, and I'm like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> That's, that's exactly how this king salmon was. I was wore out. And Derek's like, all right, go ahead, pick it up for a picture. And and like, I stripped yeah, down. What? Dude, I say? stripped down. I was like barefoot and in my boxers by the time that fight was over, dude. I was I was like, I'm <laughs> dude, I'm built like a fisherman, shit. dude. I'm fat and out of shape. And that's <laughs> I was oh man, I was I was toast. I had to like put clothes back on for the pictures. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, he's like, all right, go ahead and pick it up. I'm like, dude, I'm not picking that up. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna sit for a while while I recover. <laughs> That's freaking cool. But That's yeah, that was fish. just and it's just one of those things where you just can't wait to get back, right? Just yeah. just like just like your big fish at Ponderé or or a successful hunt, right? You're already, you're already thinking about next Dude, year. Right. You know, it's it's exactly it's you know that adrenaline. Just you just ride it forever, and all you can think yeah. about is coming back and doing it again. It's like I was saying earlier. Like when the seasons change, it's like there's a calling for all the sportsmen, all those guys that like to enjoy the outdoors. Like there's something in the air, and it's like, oh my god, I gotta be out here. Oh my god, I gotta go over there. Like. If something and it's just a pull, it's really cool. Like yeah. it, it's it's a drive. It's cool for sure. And then and then you look back and it's kind of like you, you know that that moment. While I loved it and I'll have that memory forever, but now now I know what it's about. And now it's like okay, dude, it's worse than heroin. Pounds, like you pounds, have that's cool, but there's 60s, 70s, and 80s in there, so it's kind of you know what I mean. So now it's kind of like. <laughs> Oh, that's a cute fish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's adrenaline, man. Like yeah. it's worse than heroin. That's what yeah. I've seen described. Like, yeah, for it's, sure. It's like it's our heroin. Like yeah. we have to be out there. We have to. Like I'm already like counting the days down for next elk season. My elk right, season went right. short this year. Yeah, hey, like, congratulations! You got it done early. God, it was like almost too early because I I've been sitting here like. I've been able to go out and call for friends this year and stuff, yep. and it's been yeah, it's just been a great year. I've been excited. It's been, it's been a lot of fun, but like there's still it's like oh my tag's gone. Yeah, it's, when when I when I saw you got it, I was like, dude, what are you doing? You got six weeks of twiddling your thumbs going crazy <laughs> now, dude. That's exactly how I felt. Like two days later, I was like, damn. <laughs> All right, so Kurt Stick, here's another question for you. Kurt Stick asks, gear or flies, and lakes or rivers, streams? When it comes to the art of fishing, are you more of a Picasso or a Da Vinci? I've been looking forward to this one. That's funny. (laughs) You know, gear or flies, yes and yes. Um, Depends on conditions and what I'm fishing for, right? Uh-huh. Um, I think the generic answer is you have to be all of those things. Um, I'm far removed from being the stream and river fisherman that I was growing up. It would probably be learning all over again, although probably not. I'm sure the learning curve would be you know shorter than if I had never had any experience in, in river or stream fishing. Um, I just enjoy the lake environment so much. Um, 
and what it provides, you know, yeah, is especially from from the client aspect. That I just tend to stick to lakes, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping to get on some like winter steelhead and go do some river fishing where I'm probably gonna have somebody showing me what the hell to do. Um, as far as gear or flies, we touched on it a little bit, depends on conditions, depends on species. Uh, depends on feeding pattern. Um, both can be very successful. And I think that's what's, that's what's so alluring about fishing is knowing when to do what. And that's what the hardest part of fishing is, is all right, knowing when to make your adjustments, when to change um, your presentation. Like coming down to that decision too, as a mm -hmm. and, and especially like as hardcore as you are, like when you got to make that decision and you're like, gosh, I've caught fish on this, but it's like, I'm leaping into something else and yeah. like being able to cross that border with confidence is huge. Yeah. Dude, yep. Yep. You're exactly right. That being able to go back and forth with, with, with confidence is, is pretty much everything. Um, if I'm on Kukanusa, probably gear. If I'm tournament fishing on Ponder A, probably flies. Salmon fishing, your approach changes on what stage the salmon in or are in. I think that gets uh, lost in discussion, and a lot of people don't take the time to probably understand the phases that a salmon goes through when they're in a landlocked environment. Uh, right? You got your your salmon are going to feed and get crazy, and you know you can whip around all kinds of good stuff um, while they're actively feeding, but then then they're going to shut down. They're going to be yeah. there. They're going to be there, but they're done. They're done. Their bodies told them you are done. Now you're waiting for a magic water temperature, right? And you're going to go spawn and die. And you have to be able to change your approach and respond to that. You're not going to be as successful, but you got to figure out what's going to agitate them into a bite, per se. Um, but Picasso or what? The Da Vinci. <laughs> I... I definitely say I'm probably more of like first grade finger painter. Um, <laughs> definitely would never, would never compare myself to, to uh, you know, it, it's funny. Like you, you might see yourself as like a Da Vinci out on the water with your art and your craft and think you're looking a certain way and to other people, you look like you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Nothing you're doing I makes we, much sense. And you look very much like a Picasso to, <laughs> to other people. Uh, <laughs> all right, Kurt, me and Joe discussed this question earlier before we got on air. And I told Joe, I feel like a Picasso because when I go out on my boat, a lot of times, actually, I'd say 80% of the time, shit's everywhere. And, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, like, I don't know what's going on. Shit's everywhere. The boat's a mess. I've got rods out, and it somehow works, and I'm still having a good time. And that's how, mm -hmm. I, like, when I look at a Picasso painting, it's like, what the hell is he thinking when he painted this? Right, right. <laughs> you know? What is going what on is here exactly? You know, it's like, it's, I'd say as a fisherman, like, not saying I'd hold myself to the same regards as Picasso, because he's, <laughs> like, the guy is famous, All he's world-renowned, you know, <laughs> but as far as, like, 
what I see when I look at his paintings, like, yeah, I can relate with fishing. <laughs> yeah. I'm no, all over funny. the place. I, I think I have a more controlled and methodical approach to what I'm doing. I mean, I'm set up, you know, night before, uh, especially if, if I think I'm on to something, you know, I'll be... I'll be up at James house in the middle of the night, just tying flies for the morning and, and I'll have them on the rods ready to go. Like there's no, that plan is made the night before, you know, there's no, I know what, what rod I'm running, what and where it's going to be in my lineup. Um, yeah. So I, I would say I'm just probably a more controlled. Uh, it's probably more of a Da Vinci Kurt is what he's saying. Yeah, probably. At least in my own eyes, like I it's said to other sweet. people, I might look like <laughs> All right, so we'll move on. Uh, we got a picture of a big, it looks like a big Chinook salmon. Yeah, I saw that. From Trower Crane. Cool. And uh, the next question that we had on the feed was, I've heard you name your lures. Any favorites? <laughs> and do they ever jump overboard? And that's from Kim, I believe it's Kim Alt. Yeah. Funny, funny story. Oh, I, I see think where she's going. Yeah, she's trying to put me on the spot here. So, <laughs> so I do name my lures. They're definitely named unconventionally and probably politically incorrect. Um, <laughs> not, not. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> I feel like I feel like this is a deep. Uh, there's we're, uh, deep meaning to we're, this. We're on Kukanusa one summer because she just wants to catch big fish in the middle of summer when they're 2,000 feet down not doing anything. Ugh. Yeah. She refuses to go out like when it's cooler and the fish are biting and jumping in the boat. And and this was when Kukanusa started getting like kind of like a slime algae film on the surface. So where – even if you wanted to run downriggers, your lines were getting ruined before you sent them down. It didn't matter if you were running braid or mono. It was just sticking to it. And if you didn't clean it off, oh, boy, you're, you're going to be changing line. And it almost made it impossible to fish. But, you know, some people just want to be out there in the summer on the boat. And, and anyways, I was just hell bent on trying to catch something. So I was like, well, I know where we can get some northern pike minnow, right? <laughs> oh, man. And what is she what, what is she going to care, right? Fish is a fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so we're trolling along, and I get to an area where I think we're going to find some pike minnow. And uh, I'm in the front of the boat, right? Uh-huh. And I hear a scream. And I turn around. And she's just staring at me, and her eyes are huge. And she's like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, and I'm just staring at her. I'm trying to figure out what the heck she's talking about. And over her shoulder, drifting away behind the boat, is one of my favorite linemen. Oh, I'm like, I'm no. Like, I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I don't know. I, I, was, I was holding it. <laughs> oh, no. She... She grabbed what she perceived as the prettiest <laughs> wooden lineman. Oh, no. Stabbed herself. <laughs> jumped. And, and launched my oh, lineman into Becky. the lake, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this no. particular one is uh, pink, silver, and white. 
And, uh, you know, I, I affectionately named that one Elton John. So, and I've got several others, you know, I got, uh, the, the pink and all glitter is Liberace. Um, your black and white is Oprah, you know, uh, I call my, my little black and white diet Oprah. They all, they all just have just random weird names. <laughs> but yeah. I think that's what she was getting at is she was thinking of that story. And I'm sitting there going, I can't believe you just threw Elton John into the lake. <laughs> As I had to, <laughs> As I had to turn around good. all my gear and go back. Because you know how hard it is to get those and what those cost now. Well, I'd like you can't put a price on an, on a lure that's uh, like that, but they don't make like, them like that anymore. That's probably a $60 lure if you tried to find it on eBay. Yeah, but then if you catch fish on it and it's proven, it's like yeah. then the, that that worth just went way up. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, like, so yes, it's I, I name my lures, I name my flies. <laughs> Pretty funny. Hey, they're like kids, man. Yeah, I, I yeah, for it. sure. So, we'll move on to the next one. This is anonymous. I was born and raised in Libby, and have fished the Kootenai and the reservoir for over fifty years. I've caught some decent-sized rainbows in the river, but I'll demand all. Oh, sorry, sorry, man. I'll I'll be damned if I can't ever figure out what to use and how to use it on the reservoir for bigger camelids. I can catch all the little coconies I want near the dam, but out of Oxford, I've never caught anything for size. Any suggestions? Also, I want to fish for cokes in Ponderay or Coeur d'Alene Lake now. That bite is off for Chinook. What area in Ponderay, Coeur d'Alene, or question mark for good kokanee fishing well, i'll let you answer the kokanee questions on ponder and cordelaine i've never fished for kokanee on cordelaine um actually i've never fished for kokanee on ponder either but obviously you got to know how to find them to find <laughs> the big the bigger rainbows um, yeah as, as for you know his his question about targeting bigger fish on kokanee that's actually i actually get that a lot i get a lot of locals anywhere from here to eureka who like you know we never catch fish of any size out there and it's and you know i'm not sure as to why or or their approach um but you know just kind of like earlier in, in the podcast you know i like to mix it up i was like first of all get three guys in your boat so you can get more lines in the water right yeah um by yourself with two lines pretty hard four lines a little better Six lines, I like your chances now. Yeah. Um, you know, spread them out 40, 50 feet apart. Uh, try a little bit of everything, you know, spoons, crankbaits, match your, match your kokanee. Um, you know, base your color off of, you know, what what is the sun giving you? What's the cloud conditions? What's the color of the water? You know, as as spring approaches, you're going to go from, from – you know, purple to black to blue to green real fast, you know, and, and it turns to a green game, you know, once that runoff is going. Um, so, yeah, you know, mix it up, cover water, look for, look for bait. You don't have to go very far. That's what's kind of cool about that area to me outside of Rexford. Um, I try to keep my lures in the three to five inch range, you know, 
um, you'll you'll find that you kind of progress sizes through the year. You know, you'll you'll go three inch, then four inch, then five inch, and then back down to four inch, then three inch. You know, um, it, it's kind of like the cycle in the lake. Um, yeah, and, and knowing your your bait fish pattern, it's not just kokanee, but you've got um, you got pea mouth in there, right? Your 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 dace, your creek chub, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, knowing when knowing when those spawn, knowing when they're actively feeding on those, but. But yeah, I mean, you got to mix it up. You need to have your crankbaits, you need to have your plugs, you need to have spoons out there and cover water, cover water, cover water, cover water. And and you need to know that your speed's going to be higher than when you're fishing for kokanee, right? So a lot of guys want to do both at the same time. Not always successful. You know, usually you got to, you know, you're not going to catch a whole lot of rainbows at 1.7. You're probably going to catch a lot more at 2.7. Um, but yeah, for Kukanusa, I love running 2.5. Two five is a great speed. Two five to to three two, you know, um, two eight uh, can be productive if they're super active. But that that's what I would say is you know your your lures need to be in the three to five inch range. Um, you know, keep them in the top thirty feet of the water column once, you know, once your surface temp is around fifty five. Um, yeah, cover water lots of turns they're they're in there you know really it's just time in the water and uh yeah. I, mean, I think what a lot of people run into is they change their lures too fast honestly i think that's, I, that's I, I think we're all guilty of it at some point and i think just people do it i mean i can't tell you how many days i've changed everything out only to finish what i start with and then i hit fish at the end of the day and really what it was is they just weren't on the feed until the end of the day and you had the right lures out. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree 100% with you. Like, that statement right there, it's like, that hits home to me. Like, if you're confident in your setup, like, stay confident and mm -hmm. press through. Don't give up. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, yeah, no, that's great. As far as kokanee goes, um, on Pond Ray – Anywhere, like anywhere there's a boat launch, you get out there in like 60, 70 feet of water, 50 feet of water. I, I mean, Joe, you know, like where aren't there kokanee? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, like anywhere there's a boat launch on Ponderade and you get out in some deep water, man, like you'll get into them as far as like a setup, Jack Lloyd and uh a wedding ring with some maggots or some corn on it like you're good to go um gosh yeah ponderay like you don't have to try too hard cordelaine it's more uh i do really good in wolf lodge bay and then uh powderhorn bay mica bay uh arrow point to stevens point there's some good runs out on Coeur d'Alene. Um, if you're going to go out there in the fall to pursue them, I definitely go to like Wolf Lodge. You'll mm -hmm. just go where the boats are. You'll see the boats. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> that's <laughs> I. It's they the kokanee fishing on Coeur d'Alene is it's got its little spots, but there's always a pile of boats where the kokanee is hot and just. Just be aware and uh, be respectful of the other guys out there fishing. There's plenty of fish out there for everyone. So, 
You should have a good time. Um, yeah. I I don't know what else to say as far you know for the Kokanee. Pondere is a hit though, man. Like you can do, you can do a limit in a half hour pretty easily on Pondere. They're not very big, but you can right. have a lot of fun. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're you know, and when I. I don't target them, but when I do get them on, man, they're pretty wiry. They're pretty hard to keep on the line. <laughs> yeah. I definitely lose more than I catch. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they're blast. I've caught them on apexes at like 120 feet before. Yep. For and sure. You're just dragging them and then you get them to the boat and they're, they're gone. They're, deceased (laughs) they're not they're not kicking anymore that's for sure but um it's always good to throw some kokanee in the boat i love eating kokanee i think that's the best eating fish one of the best yeah around here you know in the west here as far as lake fishing goes um i'm gonna do a podcast with mark about walleye and pike fishing nice that's some good eating stuff too yeah for sure but, um, yeah, but as far as that all goes, man, we covered, it's been a great podcast. Like I, I, in my head, like, I think we covered a lot. Um, we're going to do this again. I hope. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. No, it's, it's been a lot of fun and there's just, there's just so much to, to really cover and, yeah. and you know, maybe we'll narrow it down to a specific topic or something next time or we do there's just so many things that that you can do and and uh yeah i appreciate the invite uh this has been uh really cool really awesome um well thanks so much for like you know I, I like literally i messaged you the other day and was like hey you want to do this and you were like yeah what day yeah what are we talking yeah. about naked midgets like <laughs> i'm like all right all I'm in. let's do it <laughs> no i appreciate it joe it's been a good time um we definitely if you're up for it let's do it again let's maybe uh we'll throw something out on social media we can you know get some feedback from the listeners and maybe get on a topic that you know the majority votes for or something like that that'd be kind of fun just like hey what would you guys like us to cover and like let's cover it yeah, definitely, definitely. Cause we, yeah, I mean, we just talk forever about fishing. I mean, that's <laughs> that's just what we do. It's who we are. Yeah, absolutely. If uh, people want to follow you, or you know, get it, maybe book a guided trip or something. Like, how do how do people get in touch with you, Joe? Yeah, so I mean, if you're looking for trips on the Ponder A, uh, Eagle Charters. So website eaglechartersidaho.com. Um, Eagle Charters Idaho on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, give us a call, 208-255-8679. Um, pretty booked up, but yeah, I mean, we would love to take people out, show them around, talk about the history of Ponder A, and, and try to get them on some some amazing fishing. And, and like we talked about earlier, truly the fish of a lifetime. Um, yeah. Got, got a YouTube channel with some cool videos. Um Got some videos of some doubles and triples on Ponder A. Got, I think we got Wes's 23, 24 pounder on video from last year. Um, you know, uh, PJAB 2009 on YouTube. 
Uh, if you want to subscribe, you know, check that out. Um, if you're coming out to Montana and you want to fish Kukanusa or Fort Peck, um, I'm a guide uh, for Flathead Fish Finders doing business as Captain Mike's Fishing Fund. I do Fort Peck King Salmon Charters. Um, you can call me 619-997-1612 or you can follow uh, Get the Net Guide Service on Facebook. Um, now, now's the time. I think I'm already fully booked November. I think I only have a couple days left in October. Now I'm booking out the second half of December. Um, it's, it's the time of year, right? This is, this is when you do it. This is, you know, everybody's done hunting, got a fully, both boats are fully enclosed and heated. You'll be comfortable and protected from the elements. And it's usually a great time. Like I said, everybody always comes back. Hardly anybody ever just does it once. So. That's feel free, awesome. Feel free to reach out if you ever have any questions. You know, I'm usually usually uh pretty open. Don't always give everything out. Um, I I wouldn't be a very good uh, business person, I guess, if I gave everything away. But uh, <laughs> but no, I I definitely you know like helping out and and I definitely always help out people. I try I try to to teach when you're on the boat. It's not just hand you the rod and here's here's the fish. You know, it's. It's what am I thinking about? What am I doing? A lot of the things that we talked about on this podcast, how am I dissecting this body of water, this approach, and how am I reading my electronics? Because the idea is for people to do it on their own. A lot of the people that I take fishing have their own boats. They just they just want that head start, which is what I did. You know, I yeah. I, I go places and get guides. I'm probably going to go down to Clearwater and get a guide. When I have my first time out on Ponderay, I got a guide. You know, it's it's just it it, it just uh, speeds up, you know, the, the process and, and the learning curve and gets you a good starting spot. And and yeah, I'm, I'm here. Feel free to reach out and can't can't wait for future adventures, man. Well, thanks a lot, Joe. It's been great. I really appreciate you coming on and talking fishing with me. It's been fun. We're uh, went over two hours. <laughs> yeah, I know, dude. And it's like dude, we could probably just keep on talking. talking. Like, Good thing we're not like next to each other drinking. We just keep going. I know, and that's that's what I want to share with this podcast. It's just like, hey, let's crack a beer and talk some fishing, or let's yeah. crack a beer and talk some hunting. Like that's with blue collar guys, like that just get it done and you're one of those guys man so it's like i really appreciate you coming on and uh hopefully we can do another episode absolutely hopefully we can go fishing and crack some beers here in a month or so uh, yeah i'm in hell yeah no appreciate you having me man uh awesome guy appreciate what you do uh you know for the lake and and for the community and for those of us that you know, just want to learn more and, and help out and just be, be a part of, of what is fishing in, in the Northwest. And uh, thanks for having me, man. It's been awesome. Yeah, you bet, dude. It was uh, awesome. And I appreciate the feedback. I really do. So thank you. Uh, right. This is Idolife signing off, guys. Thanks for tuning into this episode and we'll catch you on the next one. All right, guys, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm going to just be filtering these in as I record them, um, and I have time to edit and everything. So this one, I had a pretty quick turnaround. I didn't have to do much in this. I figured the 
the whole episode was pretty good. I didn't really want to cut anything out of it. I had a really good time talking with Joe. I hope you guys enjoyed this, and thanks for listening. Catch you on the next podcast.